Well, good morning, you all. It's great to see you here worshiping together. And this whole experience of the Red Letter Challenge for us has been an interesting one, hasn't it? I've talked with people who have said to me very pointedly and very honestly, you know, I really enjoy this series, but I haven't done a single one of the challenges. Is that okay? And what would I say back to that person? I'm certainly not going to say, no, 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 you're so bad, you should have done all the challenges. I'm going to say, hey, that's okay, because you know what? These challenges are eternal challenges for us. As we're studying the red letters of Jesus, and as we're getting into what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the practical nature of that, where this whole series has taught us, here's how you follow Jesus. Here's practically how you do it. Here's what you do with yourself. We know right off the bat that we don't have to perform for God in order to be acceptable to him, right? Can we say amen to that? Amen. So the only one who needed to perform for us is who? Is Jesus. He performed on the cross. And then afterwards, he rose from the dead. And then afterwards, he ascended into heaven. But before all those major biblical events, what did he do? He spent time teaching his disciples what to do with themselves and how to practically follow him. And as we've been talking about these five different categories of these Jesus behaviors that God's been teaching us fall into being with God, forgiving others and forgiving ourselves, serving on behalf of Jesus, giving of ourselves, of our time, our talents, our treasures, our abilities, even giving each other emotional and relational support. And then the last one that we're focusing on today has been said is going. What does it mean to go and what does it mean to be a part of what God is doing in the world? That's what we're going to focus on today. Well, the very first words of Jesus that are recorded in the scripture, if you look at the first words of Jesus after he was baptized, we believe here that baptism is how God works in the life of a believer, not only to initiate them into the family of God, but to initiate a ministry in them. Have you ever thought about that for yourself before? If you are a baptized believer of Jesus, your baptism was not only an initiation of you into the family of God, but it was also sort of a kickoff event. It was how you were initiated into the going of Jesus into the world. Here's some of the ways that we know that. The first recorded words of Jesus after his own baptism were repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So let's go back to Sunday school for just a moment. What does repent mean? If you look at the original word and look at the meaning of the word, it means a changing of the mind. And the implication of that is, if you're behaving in a certain way and you repent of that behavior, then something in your mind changes about the behavior you're currently doing and it teaches you to do what? Leave that direction and move in the opposite direction. So when you repent of something, something in your mind changes, and then what follows? Your behaviors follow, right? So Jesus leads with this conversation. The reason he leads with it is because he knows that he's taking care of the sins of the whole world, including every person who would hear his voice from then on into eternity. He's handled it. He's covered the sin. Any sin that you have done in the past, He's covered. Any sin that you're going to do today before lunchtime, 
He's covered. Any sin that you're going to do in four weeks from now that you haven't even dreamed up yet, He has covered. The sins that you are going to do in 20 years, Jesus has covered. The sins you did when you were three, He has covered. He's covered the sins of you, whatever your name is, whatever your life is. He has covered your sin for all time. And that is all time for you, all of your time. So now that that has been established, Jesus says, leave that old life. Think in a new way as I give you the ability. Move from one direction to the other. The reason why is because not because you have to reach up and pull the kingdom of heaven down to you, but because you can stand right there where you are and the kingdom of heaven has done what? Come near to you. That is Jesus. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven coming near to you. And then the next major thing he says is this, after all of that baseline has been established, the kingdom of heaven has come to you and you now have the ability through the Holy Spirit to change from this direction over to this direction. God has given you 100% of that ability. What does he say next? Say this with me. One, two, three. Come, follow me. Okay, let's try it again with gusto. Ready? One, two, three. Come, follow me. Now let's try it one more time like we actually mean it. Ready? One, two, three. Come, follow me. These words resonate through eternity because this is what we do. This is how we are. This is who we are. This is what we are. We are followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, along with following him, what does he say? I will help you fish for who? For people, for men, for women, and for children. And then a little bit earlier, you heard the Great Commission. You know, a lot of times uh, people take this as the great suggestion. As if, you know, if I feel like doing the words of Jesus, then maybe I'll try this. But this is called the Great Commission because we believe Jesus in following him. We believe Jesus has given us a command called the Great Commission. And I'll just read it for you again. Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of what has been said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Because of that truth, because of that fact, because that is real, now Jesus says what? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All the nations that you don't want to make disciples of, go and find a way to make disciples of them. Be Jesus to people that you don't even like. Be Jesus to people you know. Be Jesus to people you don't know yet. In other words, in short, just be Jesus as Jesus enables you to be him to other people. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey how much? Everything that he has commanded us. And surely Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This word sometimes in the church has us bound up inside and afraid. This word go is if somehow we're not good enough because we have not achieved perfection in the kingdom of God, we should not go and share what God has done for us through Jesus. But that couldn't be further from the truth. 
because the way we follow Jesus is one day at a time, one step at a time, one error at a time, one sin at a time, one correction at a time, one love at a time, one opportunity at a time. Stepping, growing, pacing ourselves as we follow him. Following him as he carries his cross, we too are called to carry our crosses, to pick them up and to carry them into the real world, the real world that we face. This is what the scripture says about how Jesus calls us to go. I'm painting a biblical picture for you, and then we're going to merge it with our realities. So buckle up and hang on, okay? 1 Peter 4 in verse 11 says this, If anyone speaks in the kingdom of God, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. The things that you say to other people are the words of God coming out of your mouth. Have you ever thought about that before? It's not just Sarah's words or Clay's words or Tim's words that happen to have a little sprinkling of the words of God. You know, like when you make chili and you put some chili powder in the chili and then you put that extra little special family ingredient in there that makes it extra spicy, right? It's not like that. It's not like your words are out there and then God's words are sprinkled on top of them like garnish. No, the Bible says this. Your words are actually God's words. You are used for God's words to be transmitted, to be shared, to put out there in the world. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves with their hands, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And that's kind of the point. The point is we don't save ourselves and we don't have the strength or the power to give God's words to the world. We are used by him to transmit his message. And that is why Jesus calls us, commands us, equips us, empowers us to take that message and go. So let me ask you a question. How are you going? with that message. Are you going in your life? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with at least one other person? Are you sharing that good news with someone in your household? Are you sharing that good news with someone at work? Are you sharing that good news with someone at school? Are you sharing that good news with strangers on the street with whom you happen to have a few minutes to speak? If you're thinking to yourself, I'm not doing that great of a job, I join you in that because I fail in that every single day. There are times when I feel like I should not be speaking the word of God. And I say that to you as your friend and as your pastor. But the best news of all is I come back again by God's hand to the message that he will use little old me to speak his love, his power, his truth into the world in the way he chooses through me to speak it. And he does that because he loves me, because he saved me, and because he has given me a purpose in life. That purpose I share with you. You and I have the same purpose. 
we have the same power flowing through us, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as such, God calls us to go. God calls us to share. He calls us to give of each other the good news of Jesus. So the best news of all is that he doesn't just tell us to do that and leave us out there hanging in the wind. You know, I don't know if you thought about the last time that you wanted to share the good news of Jesus. Maybe you felt like a baby trying to stumble around and spit out your first words. Did you ever have that experience when you were sharing your faith before? You know where that door just opens up in that conversation? Where that Maybe it's the person who cuts your hair, right? Maybe they're talking to you about your day or your week or whatever. And then they start talking about how they feel like they just don't have any purpose in life and things are empty or they've been feeling depressed lately or things have been down in their life or they've been challenged by something or their marriage is in trouble, something like that. And that door just opens. You can almost hear the doors of heaven go like that and call you in to say something. But then when you open your mouth to speak the faith you have in Jesus, what does it sound like? But it just doesn't make any sense the first time it comes out, right? You're not alone. We are all this way. This is the way we approach that conversation the first time as if we were little babies starting to learn to talk. It sounds like babble, right? But we look at the baby's babble and say, oh, that's so cute. The reason why we think it's cute, because one day that babble is going to become conversation. The more that person practices, it's the same way for you and me. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God loves us and has called us to share his good news. He doesn't just drop us out there without help, though. He drops us out there with training with purpose and with support. And that's the best news of all when it comes to going. You know, in the next couple of days, we're celebrating Veterans Day, as we've done. And, and we gave a little bit of a round of, of applause a few minutes ago for our veterans in the room. And we, I know we have a few veterans in the room here today. What I love about the experience these veterans have had is that these guys have training. Now, all of our veterans at some point in their career, in the very beginning, decided to enter the military. They didn't necessarily have to go in by draft or by force, though I do know some veterans who were drafted. Maybe you do too. But at some point, no matter what, any of the veterans we know, they all have one thing in common. They said this oath. The oath is this. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And the last words, can you say them with me? One, two, three. So help me God. And I love that those words are still in the oath of enlistment. But every single one of our service people says this oath. And then what happens after they say the oath? For those of you who are veterans, what happens after you say the oath? What happens to your life? Your life now belongs to the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard. Your life belongs to that 
service area. And from that point forward, you follow what? You follow orders. Our veterans are saying orders. You follow orders because the commander in chief puts orders down through the ranks and those orders come to who? They come to you. There isn't one member of the service who doesn't follow orders and last for long, right? The service is built upon the transmission of orders. And as such, the service has always had this structure where that order comes from above and is transmitted through the service and is carried out in what? In action. This is how through conflict after conflict, challenge after challenge to the freedom that we enjoy in the United States, war after war, God has led us to success. I want to share with you a little bit about the Vietnam War. I have a couple of relatives in my life who served in Vietnam. Now, neither one of them was drafted. They both volunteered and chose to go and serve. But something that's dynamic and different about the war in Vietnam is that it is infamously known as a war that we did not win. And when veterans came home, when they came home from serving in the Vietnam conflict, in the Vietnam War, they were not received back here in the United States of America with much pomp and circumstance. They were not received with celebration. They were received in a hushed and quiet way unless it was negative. And they were spurned and they were turned against in society. And some people are even tempted to do that today. But even today, our society has changed in a little bit the way it sees the Vietnam veteran. We begin to see the Vietnam veteran as one who served his or her country not because of the outcome of the immediate war, but because of the nature of serving one's country, no matter what the conflict might be. You see, men and women back there in the 60s, they followed orders, didn't they? And they went to war in Vietnam, didn't they? And 58,000 and something of them died there. 300,000 or more were wounded. And they came home to persecution. They came home to disappointment. They came home to depression, PTSD, and all kinds of Agent Orange effects and all kinds of difficulties. And yet, they followed their orders on the field of battle from their commander-in-chief because it was the right thing to do. And ultimately what they did is they served beside brothers and sisters in the field, not necessarily because of those orders, but because of what those orders meant to the people that they were serving with. And even though that outcome, the outcome of that conflict didn't come across as positive, those people still served, didn't they? They served because of the orders they were given. I want to share with you another scripture from Romans chapter 8. Look at this very carefully. And this is how the Bible spells out these abilities, these opportunities we have in a little more detail. Romans 8, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. In other words, we can't just follow the law and save ourselves. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Just like was said right back over here. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. 
Do you see what it is that Jesus did? That's the textbook answer for what Jesus did. He declared an end to the control of sin over your life. Now sin no longer controls you. Now death no longer has you. Now you can be alive because that power, that sin has been broken over you and it's gone. And that is what Jesus did. Let's say that those words together. What did God do? God declared an end to sin's control. One more time. Ready? God declared an end to sin's control. One more time. Ready? God declared an end to sin's control. He declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice. And then look at this. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for who? All of us. Including the ones who come to church every Sunday and the ones who don't. Including the ones who come to small group every week and those who don't. Including those who come up and take communion every week and those who don't including those whose kids are perfectly well-behaved and those of us whose kids are not, including those of us who get up and stump our toe and swear and those of us who don't, right? All of us, the us-ness of this applies to you and me who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead do what? Follow the Spirit. Think about this. The difference Jesus makes in my life is this. Now I can follow the Spirit instead of my what? The desires of my sinful nature. Now I can follow the Spirit. And when I follow the Spirit comes what? Peace. Comes comfort. When I follow the Spirit comes challenge. Comes love. When I follow the Spirit comes opportunity. And come the words to speak. Did you know that in the Bible it says that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak? Did you know that the Holy Spirit will give you these words? When you're entertaining these two questions with people who don't know God, what has Jesus done? And what has Jesus done for me? The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. So relax. Don't break open into a sweat. Don't get heart palpitations. Don't start to babble, trying to meet your own needs for words. Just relax. Let the Holy Spirit feed into your mind, the mind that has said, I'm moving from this way and now going this way. Let the Holy Spirit feed those words into your mind. And as they're fed into your mind, let them come out. Don't worry about the outcome. Don't worry about what they think. Don't worry about even what they're going to say in response. Most people listen to respond rather than listening to hear, right? Don't worry about the response. Let the words come out. And when the words come out, God promises his word will not return to him empty. That's what I love about the going of Jesus. From the beginning, Jesus has always called his disciples to go. From the beginning, Jesus never sent his disciples to seminary to get a master's of divinity before they were called to go. Jesus literally yanked them up out of whatever they li the life they lived in, taught them to go, and then promised to walk with them, to be with them for how long? To the very end 
of the age. Whose age? Your age and mine. I'd ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. And as we do that, and as we get ready to receive the kids back into worship, I'd ask you to be encouraged, be uplifted. We have a commander in chief who loves us, who did everything necessary to meet the righteous requirements of the law. And he gave us a brand new life, a life where we are called to go. And in that going, God has called us to take the words that he gives and share them with others. What did Jesus do? And what difference does Jesus make in my life? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us a life we can live. Thank you for giving us a Savior who died on the cross and rose again from the grave, giving us a new path to walk, a path that is walked in the Spirit and not by the control of our sinful natures. Thank you for giving us the ability to choose you and to do that on a daily basis, not by our power and strength, but by yours. Now, God, as we go and as we share your good news, let us remember you will give us the words to speak and that that is part of the good news of following Jesus in the real world. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.